five in the eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new? Good morning. It's Friday, so you know what that means. It's five in the eye day here on Colossal Radio. This is me, Michael Ohajuru, welcoming you to episode 0403 of our weekly news review show. And this is Phil Woodford joining Michael via Zoom and revealing our top story this week is going to be the increasing influence of China over global diplomacy. Beijing seems to have brokered a deal between arch-rivals Saudi Arabia and Iran. And President Xi has been involved in a high-profile summit with Russian leader Vladimir Putin. Live in the eye. And for our second story, we talk about Western lights that are being turned on to celebrate Ramadan. A sign of just how generally integrated and multicultural the UK is today. What's story number three? Well, it's the emergency alert on our mobiles that the government is planning to test out next month. A good idea? And what about cheesecakes produced on a 3D printer? We had quite a few reactions to that idea on our Facebook page. It's story number four this week. And finally, to wrap up the show, it's the news that media mogul Rupert Murdoch is set to marry for the fifth time at the age of 92. And what, and what exactly does his new wife see in the billionaire Popo's publisher? Mm, well, that's this week's Five in the Eye. Five in the Eye. Well, just before we get into our main story this week, a little um, catch up on a story we covered last time. Uh, you may remember um, Peter Brown um, was a Jamaican um, Air Force um, uh, Air Forceman who had been involved in the Lancaster bombers in World War II. And very sadly, he died alone uh, in his flat, and it was uh, it was very hard to trace relatives. Now, since we covered this on Colourful last week, Michael, it's really taken off, hasn't it, in the news media? Tell us, can you give us an update on what's happening? Well, well, still, you know, we still haven't traced any of his relatives, but that may change now because not only did it, it led the BBC News, BBC One News. A couple of days ago, it was on Radio 4's uh, Today programme. It's been in the newspapers. And there's a real momentum now for two things. One, to find uh, people to find out who is who, who is he, his relatives, where are they? If, if they're still with us, sadly, some may have passed on because he, he's in he's 96. Mm. He died full of years. And the, the number of people wanting to attend the, the, the funeral to show their honours and respect is just incredible. Both from from the RAF community, a strong, strong contingency wants to attend various levels, and also from the community itself, from 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 the black community who want to pay their respects to this this uh, this veteran. So it's 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 really heartwarming to see the community, Britain, coming together to 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 commemorate this uh, this, this this man from the first world war, from the second world war, from the second world war. Live in the eye. We're going to kick off the show this week, which which was a news that, that that shocked, surprised, and made me question where where was it in our newspapers? It's the news that China has brokered a deal between two arch rivals in the in the Middle East, between Saudi Arabia and Iran. Two diff, two arms of uh, arms, at the right expression, two branches of Islam, which have. Always had difficulties over the years coming, we're working together. China has brought them together. The, the Sunni and the, and the, and the Arab, Saudis, Sunnis and the, the Shia Iranians. They're now going to exchange embassies. They're coming together and it's made possible thanks to, thanks to China. Now, Phil, if this had been America had done this, this would have been headline news. 
But look, we, we seem to be obsessed with Partygate and Trump, you know, mm. you know, looking inwards. And is China forging connections across the world? This is this is important for the Middle East, you know, and, and also a question mark of is that the right word? Question mark. What what was Israel in all this? Israel is mm, well, not yeah, I mean, there, there, right to a, the right. It's extraordinary. There's a so so much to unpick here. I mean, as you rightly say that um, they the, the the two countries represent different traditions in Islam, and I'm not a I don't claim to be any uh, any theological historian, Michael. But this is a schism in Islam that goes back uh, to I think the sixth or seventh century, and uh, and so the the, the Shias and the Sunnis um, practice their their religion in different ways and have. Uh, have uh, different ideas about the way in which uh, Islam should be practiced. And so there's that element to it, the, the kind of historic religious issues, but also the geopolitical issues, because um, Saudi and Iran have been involved in a proxy war as well in Yemen. Um, and that gets very little coverage, to be honest, mm. uh, in, 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 in the British press. But it's been a pretty bloody war um, over a number of years now. And it's all to do with... Um, <laughs> The, 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 there's a group called the Houthis that Iran backs and Saudi and the UAE are backing the other side and, and, and so on. Um, my understanding from what I've, I've read is that, you know, um, that, that Saudi is looking for a way to extricate itself from, from this conflict um, in, in, in Yemen. And um, this is one of the reasons mm -hmm. why they're looking for this deal with Iran. But you're, you're absolutely right to say that um, China... Uh, acting as the broker here it, it is extraordinary. It's it exerting exerting an influence over politics that previously would have been the sphere only of the United States, possibly the European Union. Um, in in that regard, oh, I'm not no. you know, getting the European European Union. No, I'm sorry, Phil. There's no that was always the, the European foreign policy based on the EU was always one of their weaknesses because it never it was, it was never clear. But, but I think you're right in saying this is this puts China up there. Right up there, and the same week that he's seen shaking hands with um, Putin, so there is a she seems to be a real power broker on the world stage. And I think for I saw a statistic where really, oh, I can see, I can see that, that Liverpool word shocked me. You know, it's, it's three trillion, three trillion dollars is what America has spent on wars in the Middle East, Iraq, trying to you know, trying to stabilize that, and elsewhere, and Afghanistan, and, and what's it achieved? Thank you. And if you look at in the same for the same money, three trillion dollars, China has got his, his Belt and Road policy across across Asia, across Africa, mm. and in, in, in into the Caribbean and into in, into South America, making connections. And the thing that challenges me, it's a different order. We're used to capitalism and democracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they, they haven't got either. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, we, we can criticize, of course, you know, with the 20th anniversary of the Iraq war, plenty of people um, will, will, will be, you know, ready to criticize the United States for all the mistakes it's made and all the all, all the lives that have been lost and all the money that's been wasted. And I can completely understand that point of view. But fundamentally, you know, China is an authoritarian regime. It's a regime we know that he is oppressing the Uyghurs um, and, um, you know, a million people in uh, re-education camps and so on. This is not, is it, Michael, um, a, 
a, a society that we want to see extending its political influence around the world. We've talked before, for instance, about China's role in Africa and the way that through their um, economic imperial uh, policies, they, they are making many African nations very vulnerable and dependent on them. Uh, this is not healthy, is it? But Phil, isn't there a certain arrogance when we're in the West going to the Middle East and Africa saying, this is how you should be? Mm. You know, democracy, motherhood and apple pie. And in some ways, it's a fiction. You know, we look at the reality. Look at January the 6th. You know, the, the peaceful exchange of power? I think not. So mm. there's a, for me, there's a cultural shift here uh, in, in the way Countries look at themselves and they run the world. And it's not the West. The West does not have the model. The old three C's of Victoria, you know, Christianity, commerce, and civilization, you know, and the Americans are now trying to do it with the with so-called democracy. It's not working. China offers something that the rest of us, and I'm including the Europe in this, that you know, we don't we did we don't see. We don't see in ourselves. Like we, we, capitalism is part of us. We're, it's a different kind of capitalism in China, state-controlled capitalism. You, you, you could say that the, the the alliance between Xi and Putin is incredibly sinister. I mean, it's you know the, the, these are people who share none of our values in the West, and you know you, whatever we whatever criticism we may have, Michael, of mm. um, British uh, you know imperialism, British Empire in the past, and all the rest of it. You and I are living in a democracy where we can have a free conversation like this on our radio show. Um, do, do you I mean you don't really believe that we'd be doing the same thing if the world were dominated by Xi and Putin? Do you? Well, it depends what you mean, Phil, about a free conversation. But one, one would we much prefer to have fridge, freezer, good heating, kids going to school, a car in the garage? Those those physical needs. Get all those things in place and, and be materially okay. Then, then we can talk about our, the, the, our social life. But if we, if we materially we we haven't got it all, you know, there's a certain frustration. So no, I'm saying I can see she has delivered for his people and continues to deliver for people. So now I see China. Well, it is as a growing. Let's get real. China is the force in the world today. Five in the eye. An interesting story this week at number two. Um, the mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, uh, switched on lights in the West End uh, very recently. Um, and you might think, well, that's a little bit odd because Christmas is quite a, a long way away. I know, the Christmas, I know the Christmas decorations go up earlier and earlier each year, but uh, March seems a little bit premature, doesn't it, Michael? Actually, the lights were there to celebrate the beginning of Ramadan for the first time. Um, and so this was in the Piccadilly, Leicester Square area. Um, and it came out of a campaign um, by a woman who um, wanted the, the month-long Muslim festival to have the acknowledgement that it deserved, um, basically because obviously London an incredibly uh, multicultural city. Uh, there's a significant Muslim population. And um, the thinking is, well, actually, if we honour Christmas, why shouldn't we honour Ramadan too? No doubt this would probably, you know, agitate people on the right of British politics who would see this as some, I suppose they'd describe it as some woke gesture or, um, or, or political correctness gone mad. 
I mean, to me, I've got no problem with it, really. It, 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 it's, it's a celebration to me of different communities in London and, 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 uh, and their, their holidays and, and, and festivals. Oh, I, I feel I can agree with you there, but look, this is sin. I think this is uh, cynicism because it's sending out all the wrong messages about about multicultural Britain or multicultural London. Look at the, just at the report from the, the Metropolitan Police, the racist, homophobic, misogynistic, and, and it institutionalized. It goes deeper to organisations, and then when you lay it on the same week that um, uh, Cruella Cruella Braverman, oh sorry, Suella Braverman. Freudian slip there, went to Rwanda. Uh, and suddenly, these illegal immigrants suddenly become refugees. Suddenly become refugees. And you know, Britain is, on the one hand, Ramadan wel- seemed to be welcoming um, Muslims to, 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 to Britain and London in, in particular. And yet the reality is so different, Phil, so different. So not that, yes, it's great. But look, we need more than just lights on... Uh, in in the West End to, to celebrate our uh, yeah, but I mean, I, 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 think, I, I understand your point, Michael. But I mean, uh, you you are possibly in danger of falling to the trap of equating kind of uh, the Muslim community with people coming into the country from outside refugees. I and mean, we've got our homegrown Muslim community that is incredibly well established. This is, is a homegrown celebra- celebra- celebration of, of of that as much as anything, isn't it? No, don't we say homegrown? Britain is an island. Everybody, and I say everybody, came from somewhere, somewhere else. <laughs> the, the Anglo-Saxons were here, and I love that expression. There were Africans in Britain before the before the English, because the Anglo-Saxons came after the Romans. So let, let, let's be clear on this. I don't think that that, that 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 that's the issue. The issue for me is what, what the real values of Britain. When 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 this when right now you got this Tory party with these playing, you know, send back the boats. You know, we've had enough of immigration. You, you can't. We are. We are an immigrant. We have to be. We need them. In his in his budget last week, he was talking about the fact that, we, that they needed immigration to in the, in, the, in a number of um, institutions around the country. So no, this is uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes, it's good news, Phil. No question, it's good news to see it on Ramadan celebrated. But let, let, let's think deeper about what's going on in our society and what difference we, what mean, you know, we can I, make. Yeah. I, I, I sort of I do get the cynicism, Michael. But you know, this is an idea sponsored by Sadiq Khan, himself a Muslim, uh, the man who's actually technically responsible for the Metropolitan Police that you've been referring to, who've been so heavily criticised in the Casey report. I mean, he obviously doesn't see it in the same cynical light that you do. Well, you know, Phil, I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to be practical here, Phil. This, this is it's, on some ways I could say this is a distraction. When the real issue is what's happening to our country in terms of our, our democracy, unlike Rwanda, democracy where they've got, the guy gets into power with a 98% vote, 98% of people voted for him. Democracy? I think not. And she's out there, and she banned the press that, that were critical of the government. The BBC, mm. the Guardian weren't allowed out there. You know, so this is an authoritarian government that the last, their, um, the deputy chairman says we, we fought the last election on Johnson, um, Johnson, Brexit, and Corbyn. That's why we won this election. Well, what have we got? And he and he, he said this in writing. Which paper he said they're going to fight on 
cultural war, cultural wars, and trans, mm. transvestite. So th- th- they're reducing us to culture wars. And that's yeah, the I mean, they, they, they've, they've, got, they, they, they've got they've got nothing else. Most of the economy is hitting rock bottom. They've got nothing else to offer, have they, Michael? So, um, totally, totally. I mean, so I completely, I've, I completely I've, agree. So, with you yes, that. I see this is good news, but at the same time, you know, this government, we, we, we need we need to, we need to have, show real messages. To, to the people and, and to immigrants. Five in the eye. But our third story this week, it's about mobile phones and the fact that the government wants to send an alert to each or to every phone in the country. And, and apparently about 95% of us now have smartphones. And, and that's going to alert us to um, floods, to, um, I was going to say famine. <laughs> That's not the right way. Floods, fires. Because those... Shortages, shortages, of, shortages of tomatoes in the supermarket. <laughs> Locusts. Exactly. But, not Phil, please don't be cynical. This is, this is important here. The, 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 this is done on, this is going to be done on a national basis. Sunday, April 23rd, you'll get this message. And what's interesting, Phil, this, you don't have to do anything. The app is in your phone. You can opt out. I don't want to hear these messages. But this is re- this the government really doing something responsible in terms of alerting us to to, to dangers in our local area. What, what are we supposed to do when, when, when our phone goes up? And okay, this is the test. We, we understand this is the test, and I'm sure we'll all be very excited. Although you can imagine being in a room where everyone's being tested at the same time, that would be a bit annoying, couldn't it? No, but, no, um, no be, be good. Be good. We can make a communal decision. React to it because you it tells you what the what the issue is. Floods hmm. in two days or. Or fires, you you you, sh- you should leave the building, you should leave the area, and notify you can respond accordingly. I think this this yeah. is this is what we we've got this already with what little what WhatsApp groups, little local WhatsApp mm. groups in 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 uh, high rises in streets. Yeah, and it's just extending the same principle, alerting to people, and you can make a decision on how you're going to respond I to mean, the imminent we- danger. If we'd had this during the coronavirus pandemic, if this all been up and running then. You know, don't you think there would have been a temptation to be kind of alerting us left, right, and centre to everything? Our phones would have been going off all the time. Well, they had that to a lesser extent. If you you signed into it, you 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 opted into it. They warned you you were in the area of someone in the last twenty four hours or so, some time period, had had COVID. Yeah, that's true. Actually, that that so no, Phil. I think this is an excellent idea, an excellent idea, and a real good use of technology. I mean, you know, I, I think it would be very useful if they could add some additional functionality. And for instance, like what if it notified everyone sort of 15 minutes before five in the eye started each week, just to <laughs> just to give them a reminder, Michael, that, no. that we, were on, we were on the air. No, 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 that is that is abuse of power. <laughs> that's a good abuse of power. You know, OK, the app is free, so you don't have to pay for it, which is good. Um, but Having said that, you know, you, you made a point there, Phil, this government could do that. You know, little government messages, little government nudges. Mm. But I suspect now, let's be real, Phil, this is going to be focused for those for those real imminent, you know, with ice, snow, closed roads in a particular area. Vladimir, Vladimir Putin's ballistic missiles incoming, that kind of thing. Phil, please, come on. This, this is serious now, Phil. This is, this, these, these, these things could be life-threatening. This could be liked, and it's important that you, you, you and yours are notified as soon as possible, and you can take appropriate action. You know, no, you're not. You're looking at me there, Phil. There's, there's a twinkle in your eye. You're not fully convinced. Well, listen, I am. This is the government caring about you. 
and wants you to uh, survive and giving you the, the, the heads up to, to respond accordingly, to get involved in your own, your own, saving your own souls. Five in the eye. Story number four this week is something that has made a bit of a splash on the Five in the Eye Facebook page, for sure, because uh, we posted up the news that um, Columbia University researchers in the mechanical engineering department, they created um, a slice of cheesecake using a 3D printer. Um, seven ingredients, and you kind of, the way I kind of understand this technology is you get all the ingredients into some kind of um sort of paste form um, in what's like uh, toothpaste tubes and you sort of squeeze them out in different layers and you build up this cheesecake but michael i mean people really been reacting quite strongly on um on our five in the eye uh, facebook feed uh we we maureen uh, says oh no tembo remember uh, tembo our south african bureau chief he says it's a no from him um, there's people with with kind of ex- expressions of, you know, green face emojis. Teresa tells me, no, thanks. We'll stick to the real stuff. Um, so the, the ne- rea- negative reaction here, Michael, to this use of technology, what, what do you make of it? They didn't read the story. They didn't get it. This is really, really exciting. Really exciting. Because the background to this, uh, to the story is really um, an architect. An architect, and he was used to building little miniature buildings, or, or, or printing buildings, or you know, students' uh, attempts at, mm. at new buildings. And this is this what printing does beautifully. They did it for food, so they created the most wonderful little examples. Now you know, you know, you get these cupcakes of di- made in different forms. Well, you could get the, an exact form, you know, a coke can, and a, a coke can made exactly in sugar. Beautiful reproductions. You know, you've got these big um, set two dinner pieces where you've got, you know, a, a, a deer made of of, of uh, ice or a cow made of butter. It can do them, but exquisitely on a small scale. So you can get chocolates. This redefines what a chocolate is. It can create little little miniature chocolates of animals, you know, little piglets, beautifully crunched with great precision. And with my, lovely my, fillings. My, 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 this my, is my, exciting. It's the future film. I'm sorry. Well, uh, you know, but some people rightly rightly might point out that, you know, in the week where we had a report saying we're heading above 1.5 Celsius, uh, uh, the, the additional temperature, global warming and, and and so on, and we're heading towards environmental catastrophe, science is worrying about producing cheesecakes on 3D printers. You've been a curmudgeon. You've been a curmudgeon there, Phil. You've never had a party where you want to celebrate, you know, your 70th. Um, <laughs> some people are. You can have little 70s made in any form you like and with different fillings, different colorings on top. You, you, the limit is your imagination. Literally, you're creating food. I tell you, it's not cheap. It's not cheap. Sixty little chocolates, and they're about the size. Once I've seen the size how, of a. How long does all this take, Mark? Because these three D printers, they were on for hours, don't they? Exactly. But that was, that's not the point. We can speed them up in time. We, we know they'll, they'll get better. The point is, we can do it now, and we can have the most wonderful personalized creations in the food that we love. You know, a a, a broccoli, a broccoli and coffee um, truffle. <laughs> Come on, bring it on if that's your taste. No, Phil, I'm excited about this uh, 3D food. And I think all those 
people who who, who are wary of uh, a 3D cheesecake get real. It's the future. And it may not be – what about an alternative to cheese? We could put butter in there, a 3D butter cake. I don't know, lots of different ways, different ingredients. If it can be piped, we can create with it. No, I'm excited about this film. I am. And yes, you can send me some stuff. I'll let you. Five in the eye. To finish the show this week, uh, we're noting that Rupert Murdoch, who is the media mogul, mogul, of course, associated uh, with um, Fox in the US and also uh, titles in the UK like uh, The Times and The Sun. And he is going to marry for the fifth time at the age of 92. Um, his fiance is a lady called Anne Leslie Smith. She is a sprightly 66 um, and, and, and the uh, former wife of a country singer. Um, and they're going to get married in the summer. And uh, Murdoch says they're looking forward to spending the second half of their lives together. He, he seems to be quite optimistic, Michael. Do you, do, you, do you think Mr. Murdoch envisages living to maybe 180 or something like this? Why not? These mega rich people have got access to all state-of-the-art medicine. They can be he can be reconstructed, recloned, or give him some some injection to keep him going. So now respect him for doing it. He's still got the, the energy at 92, is it 92, to still be interested in these things. So also respect to him as a man. Okay. In terms of his politics and his money and his and the place he owned, we can we can decry this man, no question of that at all. I think what interested me in this about in this story about was uh um although I've never watched uh, Succession, just the the fact that He's, he's been married how many times? Five times. And he's got six children. So there's a lot of wives and children out there who are looking at this, this new wife and saying, well, where's the money going? Will I get my money? You know, this kind of, the, the, uh, you know, follow the money. <laughs> and is he going to look after us all? So those are the people I'd like, you know, I was going to say I'm worried about. That's you, not the right, you, that's you're not thinking the that, right word. You, you're thinking Let's the money, the money might be spreading a bit. The money might be spreading a bit thin by now. You're thinking, Michael, and and once he gets on to his tenth wife, you know there won't be there won't be much to go around then, will there? <laughs> he said, "Spread so thin." Having said that, he's got a lot of it, Phil. He's got a lot of it, so you know he's got enough to spread around. It's it's just that some of them want more of it than the others, <laughs> and I guess that's where greed and envy come into play. And that's where like it shows like Succession or the award-winning Succession make their money. Five in the eye. Well. That wraps up episode 0403. If Rupert Murdoch marries again before next week, we'll be, make sure to let you know. And if you want to get in touch and perhaps contribute your, your opinion on 3D printed cheesecakes, please do visit our Facebook page. But for now, this is me, Michael O'Hajuru, saying, if you have been, thanks for listening. And this is Phil Woodford reminding you to keep an eye on the news as you never know what we'll be discussing on next week's Five in the Eye. Goodbye. Five in the Eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new?